Hi, Kat. Hi, Don. That's right. Yeah. We do herbs, but I also talk about earth medicine being um, Celtic and Native American and working with the, with all the elements, you know, right. in a way that's greater than just take a tincture for a sore throat. Nice. Love it. Um, we had you on almost, it was like almost a year ago. Yeah. I amazing. can't even believe that. I can't believe this time is killing I me. Know. And, um, this is crazy. We have a lot of new listeners, which we're so thrilled about. So I'd like you to um, talk a little bit about Elder Moon and who you are to like, who you are to the earth and why we love you. And then I'm going to tell you the real reason why I have you on today. So, yeah. <laughs> I, was curious, I was thinking about that this morning and I said that to my husband. I wonder what we're going to talk about. Oh, I got an me. agenda. I got an agenda. Okay. So okay, tell us so about it, I am an herbalist of 30 years now and a um, critical care nurse of 13 years. I am frontline in the hospital right now with COVID as well, floating to the ICU when needed, but working in the OR. Um, I have an herbal school called Elder Moon School of Herbs and uh, Earth Medicine, where we work with the plants on purely the physical level from getting tinctures and learning how to make tinctures, teas and medicine products and things like that to working more spiritually with the plants, doing plant diets, working with them one-on-one -on -one over you know, a longer period of time so you can learn directly from the plants. So that's something that really feeds my soul is um, COVID come, COVID go. The self-healing capacity of the human is probably one of our greatest tools here. And it is always on the table for us to embrace that. And um, certainly has been, um, amplified with COVID, that mm. we can sequester a bit and we can see it as solitude instead of isolation and that we can work on ourselves in the process and um, kind of cull through our bag of rocks and become better humans. So mm -hmm. that's most of it. <laughs> you know, I like to yep. integrate herbs and modern medicine together and I'm actually pretty good at that now. There's places where that works really well and there's places where it doesn't. So I have pretty good take on that it's not highly studied. It's a little bit studied and uh, because there's no money in studying the plants that way so much because of the capitalist system that we're in where they want to make profit all the time. So, yeah. but nonetheless, there's a lot that you can do. So I work with people on how to, you know, prepare for things. Maybe they need to go into modern medicine. They actually go together really well. Um, but if you're not trained in both, then it feels uncomfortable. So um, I kind of been trekking through those waters and just bettering my skills in both worlds and bringing them together more because they belong together. In other countries, they're together. Right. Everybody sits at the same table in most countries, except here. I know. I don't understand that. You yeah. know, when you were talking, thank you, Jen, for sharing that. When you were talking about that, um, I think about the work that that I do with people. And I always say, 
there's science and spirit do meet science you know plants is it's science it's science you know and how they don't look at like where else do we get most of our needs through plants and you know what i was looking at you and i go oh boy i was like you have an empire just waiting to happen that you're going to be leading you're like (laughs) the force of you know do you see elder moon you've been doing it for so long and teaching Mm -hmm. these schools i really think that you know when i talk to nurses and people in in uh direct care in any way in the medical, emotional, whatever, and the spiritual, mm-hmm. um, you know, they all want to go that direction, alternative. They call it alternative medicine. And I don't think they should be calling that. It should be our medicine. It's just the medicine. It's our oldest medicine and modern medicine is actually birthed out of herbal medicine. They actually, yeah. most of your medications come from plants or or animals or fungus. I was doing research for a while just out of curiosity on where the medications came from. And I think some vegetarians might get upset. So I just stopped doing the research. So- um, (laughs) You can't please everybody. Yeah, you can't. (laughs) But um, some of our modern meds, most of them come from plants actually. And um, it is the original medicine. And then, you know, things shifted with the eclectic physicians at the turn of the century. And then they were sort of, almost witch hunted out of existence by the modern system that we see now. And so now we see people falling through the cracks in the modern system. Corporate medicine is a little disturbing too, and it's not really meeting the needs of our people. And so having an apothecary in your kitchen is a statement of health and wealth and healthcare, that you're taking healthcare in your own hands and you're willing to, um, you know, you're willing to stretch a little bit beyond its complementary or its alternative. It's not, it's healthcare. It is healthcare and most of the world has plants as their primary healthcare. So you can say yes to that even though this system around us doesn't see it that way, you can still see it that way and have it be that way for you. Hmm. you know, just by having an apothecary, just by having a small cabinet, start little and have a few plants in it that work for you and get to know them really well. And um, what's your suggestion? It will... Like where would you start if small? I started with, um, usually we start with our own bodies. Usually we have a health condition that is bugging us and we want some relief. And and then we turn to the plants out of curiosity where we have this inquiry with, hmm, I wonder if this plant could do this or do that, you know? And then when you have a direct experience that's positive, we feel good about that and we want to know more. So oftentimes it comes from our own bodies or for me, I actually had the experience of my own bodies, but it took a little while for me to administer the plants to my children. They were babies and to say no to an antibiotic. Like I went to the doctor, got a diagnosis for my eldest son about ear infections. He was having the chronic ear infection thing where it never mm-hmm. went away. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I gotta break the cycle somehow. So to go against that and to hold hold the antibiotic for two days, I gave myself two days so that I could try the plants and they worked overnight, they worked. So I wasn't saying no to the doctor. What I was doing was saying, well, let me just in this window, he's not that sick. He's sick, but he's not that sick. And maybe I can catch it with the plants. And that's exactly was my first experience with my oldest son. Mm. And that turned me into uh, like completely turn around and look at the plants from a place of um, medicine, not just food, not just beauty, but medicine. Yeah. Did this discovery happen concurrently with you becoming a nurse? 
or like oh actually first. that happened in my 20s I was probably like I was probably like 27 somewhere around there my son was like one or two so I had mm-hmm. my I had that my son Nick when he was when I was 25 and so somewhere around 26 27 I had that experience and then I found uh, my teachers and went deeper with the plants there. I was a biologist then, because I'm a biologist by academic training, okay. um, botany and environmental science in particular. The nursing came far later. I walked into nursing school when I was for, on my 41st birthday and became a nurse. Wow. So that came far later. Um, mm. I had already been you know, working with the plants and having a community apothecary for for 15 years before I became a nurse. And how do you strike that balance from, you know, you're um, working in modern Western medicine and mm-hmm. still um, walking the path of an herbalist? How do you find that balance? Well, I check in with myself, my heart, my body. Like for something, for me, I don't ever want to work in chemotherapy. I'd rather not work in that area. But in the ICU where I worked, there's no plant that's going to make you have a blood pressure. So it was easy for me to work in there. These people are so close to death that there is really not an herbal medicine on the physical level that could keep a blood pressure for them. They have to use the stronger medications of modern medicine. Now we could work on a spiritual level with them. Absolutely. And I will, you know, say that I, that I do. And then it comes down to having very good boundaries and asking permission and mm-hmm. understanding that you're not going to stand on the corner and um, be the town crier and try and win everybody over to herbal medicines. Matter of fact, I was very quiet about my herbal medicine training in the hospital. And I had one patient of mine when I was like for a couple years in, I had one patient of mine come in whose wife knew me and she went yelling down the hall to her husband it's Jen, the herbalist, the herbalist. And I was like, <laughs> you know, we're in the hospital, right? And it's like nine o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night. And she's yelling this down the hall and no one had known that about me. So few people heard it. And I was like, uh-oh, my slip is showing now. <laughs> but that was 10 years ago. So I would say, you know, it's a little more um, open now. Nurses are interesting. Mm-hmm. Breed of human. And I'm now one of them as well. Um, I find a lot of nurses are either open or not open. They're usually very black and white with herbal things. Mm-hmm. But when nurses agree and come together, they can be a very powerful force. Of course. And yeah. And many medical professionals who know about my plant background whisper, which tells me a lot about how they are. Like they whisper open. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little bit like that. Yeah. I um. It's a shame. Physical, it has to be that way. You know. I, know. I had yeah. a physical in January with a new doctor, and I like her very much. Um, she's like she's she's my age. Is a marathon runner. I I just liked her, and um, uh, as I said last year, I started menopause, and I was really suffering, really suffering bad. Black cohosh definitely helped, but I found that after like four months, it, I needed more. And my doctor was like, well, um, I know of other patients and other women <laughs> say sometimes if you want to try, I'm not saying you should. Nice. <laughs> That's great. She said, 
Uh, and she recommended evening primrose. And now I have a combination of uh, vitamin D, evening primrose, and black cohosh. And I, I'm like walking like a normal human being these days without hot flashes and night sweats. And so, so, so yeah, so you see that it's on their side too. I mean, yeah. you have to be very careful as physicians. Nurses actually, I think, have more freedom mm -hmm. to recommend things than so. physicians do. I think mm -hmm. physicians have a lot more regulations on them on what they can recommend, Yeah, and, you know, the kind of place that they're in. And they're not trained in it either in this country. You know, in mm -hmm. Europe, right. Jay lives in Germany. And in Germany, you could sit at the table with a doctor, a homeopath, an herbalist, they all work together and everybody respected each other. And you could choose, well, do you want this medicine or this medicine or this? You could pick. They'd all tell you what they could do for you. What's wrong with us? What is wrong with America? It's money. It's money. It's, all we're, it's partly money and we're just behind. Like Germany's at least 30 years ahead of us in medicine that way. You know, they have all research on the plants. They lead the world in the research on the plants. Jeez, that's crazy. Um, and they're very um, integrated that way. And then we have ancient medicines that are integrated. The, the Asian systems are very integrated. Yes. They have food, body work, modern medicine, and the ancient plant medicines all together. Mm -hmm. Ayurvedic has this too. Very mm -hmm. integrated, beautiful system. And everyone's, a lot of people, so the acupuncturists represent a powerful ancient system that is not negative to modern medicine. You use it when it works, you know, you right. like to take, you know, you, I let's, think that's let's the, use what works and stay the least invasive. That's right. probably our best right. goal. I think that the one, the, the, the energy, the philosophy I feel that we have in, uh, you know, as a patient, I'm not a doctor. I don't have, like, I'm looking at a patient point of view because I don't have any, um, the frustrate the frustrating part is that there's a there's a, always a competition. Yes, and, and so, that comes from a I think that comes from more of a heroic kind of training. Do what oh, I say. I'm the authority. Yeah. It's very linear, and the yeah. Ayurvedic system, the Asian systems, even our native culture systems, the intact cultures today, they are still administering plants and going to traditional healers it's more circular. It's more, you're walking with the healer and they're working yes. with you. You're an active participant in your process. You know, it's not, you're sitting there and being told what to do and then you didn't do it right. And it's all your fault. You yes. Know, so I want to tell you an experience I had. Can I share an experience? This is so relevant. I wasn't expecting to talk about this, but I think it's relevant because we're talking about medical. Now I'm, I'm talking in the patient's view. So I've had thyroid issues, as you can see, I have a goiter here and I have some lymph nodes going on and I'm going in for surgery in a couple, in a, next week. And we're mm -hmm. finally, the decision between the doctors and everything is that we're removing the thyroid. It's like, it's literally like, I, it's, it's, uh, I feel like I have weights in my throat. I have horse, I have all the whole symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. I am so excited about this because this is my, in spiritual this is my trauma. This is my trauma pool. So to get this removed is more symbolic as well as physical. And there's so many other things. Mm -hmm. I cannot find, I had a great endocrinologist, but she's, she's on her way out. She's older and she's on her way out. Mm -hmm. So I kept having, a, I had a really hard time finding a really good endocrinologist for my thyroid. And it's very difficult to bond with doctors because I'm overweight, right? I'm, according to them, I'm morbidly obese, no matter what size I am. I could be two pounds overweight, you're morbidly obese. So I have the trauma of the weight in the past 
I have had doctors just tell me, you should just not eat salad dressing and you'll lose weight. I've had, you know, meanwhile, not asking me about how many miles I'm walking, what my diet is, what my history is. They don't, they don't do that. But when you get a good doctor who's willing to listen to you with mind, body, and spirit, it's rare. Yeah. And when I tell them, I know my body better than all your charts, all your things. If I tell you something, please trust me. And I always go back to telling the story about how I knew something was wrong with me. Donna even knew something was wrong with me. And I go to my doctor and female doctor told her my symptoms of, I felt lethargic. I felt tired. There's something wrong. I was nauseous. And she told me it was my period. And I have a very healthy cycle. I've had no issues with that. Thank God. I don't have issues with that. And I said, I don't think that's what it is. And she goes, but just in case, because you have high blood pressure, I'll, you know, go and get your heart checked. My heart's fine. The lady, the radiologist or whoever's taken my, the tech said, you need to go back to the doctor. Something's wrong. I, and I felt something was wrong. I go back into the clinic and I called over screaming, somebody needs to help me. This other doctor out of nowhere comes over and he says, oh my God, something's happening. And I had a stroke. And so, yeah, the whole right side was all through Aston. It was the scariest, saddest uh, moment of my life medically. Uh, I thought I was going, this was it. Uh, And I have a loopy mind as it is. Can you imagine after a stroke? Yeah, most of you have witnessed I have loopy brain. And um, I trained, I did all the recovery and rehabilitation myself. I did research myself. I mean, of course, changed my eating. I, I, I eat pretty well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on point with what I have to do, but I get so angry that I'm not being heard as a patient because they don't investigate my history enough of what I went through, or they're just not listening to maybe the things that I do that makes me feel better. And so I, re- I don't go to the doctor often other than I have, I finally found a GP who listens to me, who doesn't make me feel bad, who says, did you meditate this week? That's why your blood pressure is up. She doesn't say, she doesn't, she just will not put me on a higher blood pressure med. She's like, you need to do your meditation. You need to do this. And it works. And I, my Great. blood pressure is finally under control. Great. So because of the surgery, I have to find a new endocrinologist to help me for aftercare. Mm-hmm. This guy, so this guy is, everybody's like, oh, he's great. He's great. He's great. Am I talking too much? Is it all right, Don? Am I boring anybody? I just wanted to, okay. So he's great. He's great. He's great. He's great. He comes in. This guy's got so much energy and you know, I'm an energy person. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Like take it down a notch, you know? He's like, I just want you to know that I've read 70 pages of your history and your diet, but was tearing down the other doctors. They didn't diagnose me right, um, that I don't have thyroiditis or I didn't have a hypothyroid and that because of the chart, you're right here, it doesn't make sense. And that the medication that my past endocrinologist gave me is wrong. Mm. So I let him talk. I appreciated his enthusiasm, did not let me talk at all. And he immediately was like, I'm going to talk to your surgeon and we're just going to get half, not investigating anything. And anything, it made me feel so uncomfortable. I'm like, I've spent the last five years not going to the doctor, them suggesting surgery because my it's getting bigger and bigger. 
I'm just waiting, you know, for a crisis because that's what I do. And I literally was like, he was, you know, I feel like he was just like this new, you know, those new teachers that are so excited to teach <laughs> and they're going to change the whole world. When I get in here, meanwhile, we've been teaching for 20 years and it doesn't work like that. They could change the system. That's what he was like. And then I finally told him, I said, can you stop for a minute? Like I literally had to advocate for myself. I said, you need to stop. I said, you did not ask me. I said, when I came in to see the doctor, the, the, the past doctor, I don't want to, you know, name any doctor, the past doctor, I came in with uh, lethargy. I said, emotional mood swings. I said, I was freezing cold all the time. Then after I got cold, I had to get warm. I had told him the symptoms. He's like, oh yeah, that's, that's your, but he goes, yeah, that's your thyroid. I said, you just told me there's nothing wrong with my thyroid because the, the level I was one, I was one number off. Hmm. He said, my thyroid is normal. I was like, you have to understand my body is sensitive. If I am one number off, I said, I said, there's something wrong. I said, and that 25 micrograms of uh, levels of oxide made me feel better. I never felt better in my life. That's not, I felt like a million bucks. Right. How is that wrong? Right. So I can't find a balance and it's, and now I'm like kind of nervous, Jen, because I, I, I have to go to this doctor only because I need to have somebody care for me afterwards. I'm going to have this surgery. This is all agreed upon. This is the right choice. And I was like that, you know, like this doctor, I'm depending on one person's, you know, point of view to help me with my care. So how do I, how do I, you know, put my health in my own care without, you know, messing that up? You know, that's what I wanted to talk about. Have you asked him what the post care will look like? You know, like what medications you'll be required to take because you will be required to be on medication without a thyroid. Yeah. It just, uh, it, all he said is up the medication. He's like, we're just going to be on medication. That was it. He was very difficult. So it was, he, he wouldn't give me an, you know, a word. He was just so eager to talk to the surgeon to, to have them change his mind. And yeah. it scared me. I was like, please don't ruin. But in the, the end, you're still getting the surgery. Oh, at the end he came back. He's like, okay, you know, you need surgery. And I was like, well, thank you for saying that because I felt like you were I don't want surgery. I need surgery. I, it's not like I'm like, oh, please. I'm like, right. I am tired of this belt I yeah. wear around my throat. Yeah. And it, I thought he was jeopardizing the work that I've been doing with other doctors who I really have worked with. And he just came in like gangbusters. Uh, yeah. uh, and I, and I'm, I'm nervous because I don't have the same, I don't have faith in the medical field. I'm grateful for the, for the, for the doctors that came in my life that, that listened to me, but it's really yeah. difficult to find good healthcare in modern. Yeah. Life. And so, you know, you're sort of in that gray area because you have a procedure that needs to happen and then you have aftercare that needs to happen. And yet you have, you know, you don't have a lot of time now to develop a relationship with a new doctor because yeah. it is a relationship with the doctor. I mean, any time we're working with a physician, it's about the relationship and then that can change too. You know, yeah. we even have a good doctor and we had some medical blunders happen with our care. Yeah. And so it, it wasn't great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The one thing this doctor did say, he said, I really appreciate your, you advocating for yourself. 
So he wasn't. Well, that's what I was gonna he say. Wasn't is that blind. you're gonna almost have to go into that kind of blind faith place <sighs> right now because you're so close to surgery. No. Yeah, that it's you're going to need his expertise at this point, and if he continues to show you, you know, something that doesn't resonate with you, you can still look for a new physician post care. Yeah. You know, post op. Yeah. Once you're he, through the acute post-op phase, you can transfer your care and you may need to look in a wider circle than the Hudson Valley. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I possible. agree. So, I, but why I wanted to mention this is because I know there's a lot of people who, who are listening right now that how important it is to be heard in your yeah. care and yeah. that what, what you bring in, Jen, is the education, the knowledge, and just the open-mindedness that there, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You don't have to right. be all, you know, yeah. Western East, you can, you can come, you can with the proper guidance and with medical assistance and advisory, you can, you can mix it all together, but you have to advocate what feels good for you. And yeah. And you do, you have to find your voice in there. I think, you know, like my son, so an issue came up with Cyrus around vaccinations. So he's quote, partially vaccinated. We waited till he was three and I breastfed him for a couple of years. That was important to me that his nervous system and his brain were well-developed along with his immune system. And then we pick and chose some vaccines and there were many that he couldn't have because of his age. They give so many to children when they're very, very young. And so a lot of them were just thrown off the board, but he had a few, he had like two, two or three and then we paused because he immediately went into asthma. Oh my God. Is, so I suspected that was related, but nobody will validate that. And so we'll just never know. So with all the push with vaccines now and the way things are going in New York here, it's been very intense for people. I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I'm also not a blind faith vaxxer either. And I'm very much interested in the science and the research, you know, and, um, I think that we have very good science around vaccines and I don't think we execute the science well, which is why we're seeing oh. things happening. Um, so, and a lot of it is creating a vaccine that has a shelf life has been an issue. So it's a can of worms I'm talking about, but when we went to figure out how we were gonna address this issue with the school, I had a just out of med school, do it by rote kind of position new to me and she was not happy with me because I was advocating and she was basically like, well, you know, he's just going to get everything. And I'm like, no, he's not going to get everything. You're going to do titers and we're going to see where his blood levels are. And then we're going to revisit what he will get. And it won't necessarily be everything that you say. So she was pretty miffed with me, but I was very adamant about, this is when the measles outbreak happened and mm -hmm. they wanted to make sure. So long and short of it, when she then agreed, even though she didn't want to agree, she agreed. And at the end of our, our day, that, that particular visit, she did calm down enough to say to me, I do appreciate the way you're doing this. I mean, and at one point I had to say to her, do you have children? Because you're talking to me like you don't, <laughs> okay? Right. <laughs> and I'm getting aggravated and I really don't want did to. Did you vaccinate you know, your like, other children completely? Did they have everything? They're part, they're part, they were partially as well. And because of a severe vaccine reaction in my second son, he had a severe vaccine reaction. Mm -hmm. So, which at the time, 20 years ago, was not considered a severe 
vaccine reaction, but now it's on the list. I knew gut instinct wise as a mom that he was reacting. So I just did this whole song and dance every time the shots came in the room. I'm like, oh, I didn't prepare them today. I'll take them mm -hmm. to the free clinic, you know, or something like that. So it was a difficult time. And then when he got into high school, that child got into high school and wanted to travel internationally, we went back to the vaccine topic because it's not safe to travel without certain vaccines. Mm -hmm. So we went back to it. He received a few shots. He was 16, 17 years old. He had a say, you know, so we educated ourselves and that's how we did it. So I hear you. It's hard to advocate sometimes. And yet sometimes you have to kind of stand your ground with that. Like I need to be heard. And, you know, I'm like... And also to be prepared for the fact that some physicians will kick you out of their practice, which happened to me one time too. Really? Because I was a frustrated mom with two little babies, you know, racked with fever and it was zero degrees out and I'm traipsing these sick children out in the freezing cold with fevers. And I said to the doctor, exasperated, this was years ago, you know, when they were little, over 20 years ago, 25 years ago. I'm like, when are you doctors gonna come back doing home visits yeah, yeah. Like, when are you the, like I shouldn't be traipsing my little babies yeah. out in zero degrees this is not right the week later I got a letter kicking me out of his practice find another doctor oh <laughs> my yeah. yeah I was just an exhausted tired upset mother you know I wasn't even a nurse yet you know I was just in my 20s and upset like when right. are the physicians right. and I landed that question recently when are the physicians going to continue go back into the homes the way the nurses have always yeah the nurses have always gone into the home setting I had when are doctor. the doctors going to start coming at least we have telemedicine now so it's yeah it's a hybrid form of it but at least you can sit in your home sick and talk to a doctor yeah yeah that's my... a, a plus for covid yeah, I like that. Previous GP, she retired a few years ago. Um, Dr. Gregory, I loved her. She came to my house once when I had pneumonia and she was like, I'm going to stop by your house as a friend. Like she had to cover herself. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. Like, it's not so much that they don't want to. It's the yeah. way the system is designed. Yeah. And she, you know, she came I to me it. and I was so appreciative and she was great, but I, she was close to retiring. She was almost at the, I don't give a fuck, you know, yeah. place in her life. So she did take that risk, but, uh, I definitely, uh, yeah. After that happened, I was, I had the same, like, why doesn't this happen more often? It's crazy. Back actually. And like I said, telemedicine is making it, um, making it happen with the, yeah, with the right. pandemic. So we're halfway through our hour and you brought up the subject. So the $64,000 question is, <laughs> uh -oh, uh -oh. are you going to take the COVID vaccine? Oh, <laughs> Put her on the spot. I will not be in the front line though. You I won't be not. in the front line. No, I, I had said, I've been and saying, it could cost me my job. If I don't my know. doctor takes yeah. it, I'll take it. That's, that's what I've said to mm -hmm. myself. Um, personally, now I'm not talking as a nurse yeah, <laughs> or an herbalist. I'm just talking as Jen, yep. yeah. where I stand, newly released vaccines often are high risk. There mm -hmm. are, you know, as they develop them over time, um, they, things change. So, and sometimes scenes, I do not, um, I even, um, like I don't have the hepatitis B vaccine and I work in the hospital front line. People, we can opt out of that. 
The Hep B vaccine is supposedly effective against eight strains of hepatitis. Last I heard, there's over 20 strains. So, and if you get that vaccine and you're over 40 and a female, there's a lot of health risks for women. Really? Which is why, I, yes. So you gotta dig because they, it's, it's in there, but it's like, I love the way Japan is rolling out their vaccine programs, one at a time, big space between, don't get them when you're sick. Right. There's a lot of ways to roll out a vaccine program. Um, and I'm not talking about just COVID, I'm just talking mm -hmm. about in general, mm -hmm. because a little bit of the poison can entrain the immune system. I do believe that, that is true. Our immune system can do that. I just think that the science, one, it's there, and two, we're not executing it so well. So, because there's money factors and other things. So I'm not first in line for any vaccine on a personal level for mm -hmm. me. If it's gonna cost me my nursing job, there's a lot of nurses that are not gonna line up initially for that. And if they oh, mandate really? it, yeah. And if they mandate, listen, I've been in there, frontline taking care of sick COVID patients and I have not gotten COVID. Not gotten, right? yes. So right. what we're doing with this mid-range virus works. Masks, wash your hands, distance. When I'm done in a COVID, taking care of COVID patients, I'm showering, I'm spraying my throat. These are all things that I do personally, spraying mm -hmm. my throat, scraping my tongue, cleaning my sinuses, going in the sauna. There's all kinds of things that I'm doing that help intercept a mid-range virus. If this was Ebola, we'd be having a different conversation mm -hmm. because half the medical workers with Ebola die. Right. Mm -hmm. Different story, okay? We have. I think that's an important. Um, I just want to pause there. As somebody mm -hmm. who is not in the healthcare field, um, I think it's important to talk about the difference that, like you just said, we're talking about COVID. We're not talking about Ebola because mm -hmm. I find that there are people in my life who do live um, more closer to the earth who are denying. Um, denying all um, importance <laughs> that I feel that COVID should be, you know, the attention. My friend is saying she doesn't wear a mask and she is taking extra vitamin C. That's what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And she feels that that's all she needs to do. And then didn't understand why I didn't want to meet her in a restaurant. Right. And so I feel like um, it's, it's not black and white with all things, just like what you're saying with vaccines. There are like I chose when I went to South America to not take the typhoid vaccine. Oh no, I did take typhoid. There was another one where one of the side effects, you have to I had to take the pill right before I went on the plane. And one of the side effects is either temporary blindness or, or bouts like of insanity, kind of like you Jesus. might. And <laughs> we both I was traveling by myself <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? I'm going to risk, I'm going to risk that disease more than the side effect of having hallucination ideas, or I can't remember right. what it was, but that was one of my doctors was like, eh, you might not want that one, but, <laughs> but I feel like there are so many people out there who feel like there's COVID's not a threat yeah. because of the survival rates and that all vaccines are bad. This is my issue is that it, it, sometimes I see people do all or nothing. It doesn't, nothing is all or nothing. 
Like, yeah. like this so is anyway, I just want Jen to yeah. talk about it. There's always like, gray. I agree. There's always a gray area. There's always gray. And I actually I have really had, I too have had a few friends this way as well. And I've had patients actually in the hospital come in for same day surgery. One patient I met, my older two sons had COVID and we were working hard to keep them out of the hospital. They're both very sick and they're usually very, very healthy. So we don't know why COVID doesn't have a, a predictable way of hitting people. You know, you say all old people, not necessarily. You say, you know, all people with cardiac underlying whatever, not necessarily. All mm. people with A positive blood, not necessarily. You know, mm. like there's all these reasons to, you know, take a step back a moment and consider that when you wear, this is where I stand again, when you wear a mask, we're standing together. We as humans are standing together. And when you don't wear a mask in something like this, we're not standing together. So where do you stand? Like it comes down to something that simple. Can you tolerate that just for a little while while we get through these waves? Because they are waves. When this first broke out in March, the first thing that I said, and it was met with a cricket sounds. <laughs> and I, you know, I said, we need to turn to Africa and China to learn about pandemics. China has over 300 pandemics on record because of racism that, that are recorded because of racism and difficulties, which you've seen unearthed here, um, people that I was met with crickets with that statement. But these countries, if you look at Africa on the map right now, they COVID has barely bothered them. There's one country in Africa that's bad because the president of that country is saying, God already healed you. You do not need to wear a mask. And it's a hot spot. So they know how to go through and get through pandemics without shutdown, but just basic things that can stop the vectors of these microbes where we, the people stand together so that we can get as many people through. So why, why, are, we, why are we so inflamed right now? because we're not standing together. And I yeah. feel like that's the message right there is, how are we going to stand together? Brilliant. Even just for a little while, yeah. can we stand together? Mm -hmm. You know, can we stand I, together? Jen, I love, Jen, that's like, that's like, just like a perfect statement because I wonder that like, you know, why wouldn't you do it for someone? Like, why is it so hard? It's just a mask, like really, like, I don't know, like, and then, you know, I, I don't, I do understand, but I don't understand why um, as a teen, I feel like if you look at the United States, we're like teenagers, we're in a teenager yeah. phase. Because we're young country, <laughs> yeah. We're like the rebellious, got to find our identity, you know. Making a mess everywhere. <laughs> don't clean up the laundry, piss off everybody. We're just such a new, uh, such a new nation. That yes. we're in our teenager feel teenager stage that we have to be so rebellious mm -hmm. and and not make sense of it. Yeah. If you really, if you're somebody who really doesn't want to wear a mask and you're like, no, I'm not doing it, stay home. That, then please, then that's fine. You Call have your groceries, drive through, pick them up, stay that's home. It. Stay and home. And that's your statement of together. That's a statement of together. That is a statement of together. Yeah. But yeah. you don't have to cough in somebody's face. You don't have to yell and scream. It's like we're, you know, nobody's, a lot of people are not housebroken, as my dad right. would say. They're not housebroken. I'm like, yeah. 
you know, I don't understand. And it makes me very sad. Yeah. And so when my, when my sons were sick, I, I, that morning I had a patient come to me who did the same thing. He didn't believe in masks. He didn't believe in COVID. It's all conspiracy. It doesn't work. And I said to him, listen, something's going on because I, you just got a nurse that works in the hospital taking care of COVID patients. And he went, and both of my sons have it right now. So something is among us. Well, I don't know anybody with it. Okay. Well, how many people do you know? Because <laughs> You know, the five people on your farm. It's not the most scientific of studies that you're conducting right now. Right, right. (laughs) I'm not trying to be impossible. I'm just saying, could you please put your mask on? Because you can't have the care that you need today without it. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah, I know. And and how do we stay respectful? How do we stay respectful too? Because people are really being very disrespectful to people who are saying wear masks, people are saying don't wear masks, and then everybody's bickering and fighting about that too. Can we rise up to a place of being respectful? And can we rise up to a place of we're in this together? We're yeah. a nation that doesn't want to put their seatbelt on. It's like crazy. Yeah. But there, that that is the case. And I, I feel like um, at the same time, there's... Um, there is a dichotomy. There are going to be people who are going to be listening to this, Jen, and they're going to say, okay, I believe you with, okay, the masks, but why not the vaccine? So I feel like um, it does come from a place of respectfulness mm-hmm. of like, um, I'm not, I'm not being eloquent enough. I have too many thoughts in my head right now. Well, I mean, again, it's going to be we have time to navigate that. They don't have a vaccine yet. What they are creating right now needs to be at negative 70 degrees, which is a very difficult mm-hmm. logistic to be able to vaccinate that many people and keep it that cold. Right. And that's got to do with preservation um, issues, which has always been an issue with vaccines. Mm-hmm. So we have time. We don't have to make decisions right now. Nothing's here. Nothing's mandated. Nothing's right. proving to be really great, even though the news is reporting this or that. It's still yeah. all hearsay. Yeah. Really? We can just say jury's out and we don't have to be yeah. disrespectful of one another because I don't know where I'll be in six months. We don't know how COVID's going to change. Remember, this is a coronavirus. Our own bodies don't keep immunity because they change so quickly. Mm. So what do you mean by who, that? What do you mean by people that? People who got this coronavirus can actually get it again. Usually around three months, your immunity wanes. Mm-hmm. Plus, corona's changed enough that you could get it again. So reinfection is happening. Who's to say that's not going to happen with the vaccine? Right. What are they making you immune against? Is it going to be the same virus that you're going to come in contact with six months after you're immune? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. The immune system already knows that these cold viruses change rapidly. So it just dumps your immune, your immunity because it knows there's no sense of taking up space in the library because we know that's going to be obsolete. So we just right. dump right. it after a few months, we just dump right. it. Right. So even the vaccine has this kind of questionable efficacy for me because who's to say that it's going to be a long-term thing mm-hmm. where we're going to have to get vaccinated every six months or every mm-hmm. year. And can we stay up with it? You know, it kind of goes into the flu vaccine, which is right. another can of worms, but you know, it's, it's a difficult conversation and people are very passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a right to govern from the skin in mm-hmm. at some point, um, especially with new things being put out. 
mm-hmm. in, into the market. We have a right to um, think about that. I get herd immunity, but I also know people who's, who have died from vaccines too. There is a certain amount of risk. Mm-hmm. There's a certain amount of risk you agree to every time you take one into your body that someone could die. There's a certain percentage of people that will react to it. We don't know who they are and they could die. And so you have to be aware of that when you allow that into your body and say, okay, to herd immunity. It has a place, you know, I love the idea of entraining the immune system. It's what it does, you know, right. it gets a little piece of the virus and it makes an immunity. I yeah. love entraining the immune system. Yeah. But I think it's, um, I don't think humans tinkering with nature this way. These viruses are billions of years older than us. They are so smart. And it's why the second wave and the third wave tend to be even more deadly because these viruses know that humans get complacent. Mm. It's, like, it's like gremlins. Her. It's like the gremlins. <laughs> they kind of know. Well, like the you could see it that way, or you could say, <laughs> hmm, they really know how to survive. They right. have fantastic survival tactics, and opportunistic behavior is a very efficient way to survive in nature. So if we just take the judgment out of it, like uh, like feeling victim of it, yeah. but understand that they they know survival way better than we do. And they it's are scary when you say it like that, Jen, because for people like me that like, obviously, when I think in cartoon, it's like, all of a sudden, they're like, you know, negotiating the virus is negotiating and say, listen, I just found out. Yeah. This is how they work. So when we go back, we already yeah. know their tactics, and then they're going to yeah. come in. It's yeah. so scary. It's a well, scary- think about think about a really old wise virus. Wh- which one do you know among us is old and wise? Yeah, chicken right. pox. I don't know. No. Yeah. Or is that like a, is that and like even a wiser one? would be herpes. Does it have an IEP? I yeah, don't know. Herpes, herpes, is, herpes. herpes is super smart and wise. It doesn't kill its host. Mm-hmm. No. Most of the time, it doesn't, it it doesn't it. burn its house down. COVID's <laughs> kind of silly. It's burning its house down. It's got to learn how to coexist, you know? Right, right. You know? Yeah. The herp um, is bad. The herp is a stalker. The herp is a stalker. And then the herp is like, a wise old virus. And they go, let's <laughs> attack the people who are more vain so they get it on their face. Or the less that will put it on their V. So nice. It's a different stick. kind of headspace. When, <laughs> when you come to from the place of we are all nature and we are all going to figure out a way to survive. When we when we come from that place that we are all made up of the same thing um, and they are much older. I wish we had time for us. There's just there's a Elizabeth. Elizabeth Satoris is a, a doctor. She's done envir- um, an evolutionary biologist. I'll Ooh. give you like a short snippet. Yeah, And I follow her because I love her. She's in her probably 80s now. She's um, Elizabeth, B-E-T, Satoris. I'm going to look her up right now. Yeah, Satoris. She gave a talk about bacteria. This was about bacteria. And basically, there were three kinds of bacteria that came in. Each one overran the earth, ran out the resources, and then died back. Then the next one did the same thing and died back. And then the next one did the same thing and died back. And then the three of them learned how to cooperate. So when there was a lot of sun, the photosynthesizers took over and everybody helped the photosynthesizers get the energy for everyone. And then when there wasn't enough sun, we went with the, or there wasn't enough oxygen, the anaerobics, she called them the bubblers. Everybody helped the bubblers because they could make the energy for everyone. And then when there wasn't enough of that place, because we ran out of that, then they would go to the other one. And so the three had to learn how to cooperate in order to exist on this planet. And this is a true story about our original bacteria. These bacteria actually live in our gut. We can, we can and you hear about the gut mind mm-hmm. and the wisdom of the gut. 
and our gut instinct because we have ancient bacteria that live in our gut and they can feed our wisdom and our understanding of this place on how to survive. Mm. And so if we look at something like a virus that's very, very old and is also a little bit different than bacteria, absolutely, um, but not more dangerous. Bacteria can actually kill you faster than a virus when they get in the right place. Mm. Um, they can kill you in a couple of hours, actually. Is that like a gangrene situation? Like it's a, worse. It's like, like a MRSA? Your intestines, like your intestines leaking into your peritoneal cavity. You could be okay. gone in a couple of hours. Okay. Oh. So the bacteria, given the right resources, can bloom unbelievably, okay, and can be very deadly to humans, too. So it's all about time, place, and resources, but they also learn how to work together. So that's the big message from this Dr. Satoris is about, we're, we got quite a while and it's going to get worse before we figure this out. We have to cooperate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Humans have a lot more to learn around cooperating for resources. We're still fighting over resources. We're fighting over land. We're fighting over fuel. Yeah. We're we fighting over food. I mean, we're fighting over everything. We're not really coming together as a collective. So we have a while, you know, we have we to have learn from the bacteria. We got to learn from the germs. We got to yeah. learn from the germs because and one, of, one of those bacteria actually teaches about piston engines and our whole nanotechnology still cannot unravel the advanced design of the piston developing bacteria. Hmm. We still can't understand it. We're not advanced enough to understand these bacteria. Like it's really fascinating. In That's fascinating. That is yeah. fascinating. I'm, like this. I never, I'm like this, really? My face yeah. is like, how you know do you spell her last name? Satoris, S-A-T-O-R-I-S. Okay. Elizabeth, Dr. Elizabeth Satoris. She's on YouTube too. She gives lots of talks on there. I watch her all the time because I think she's just, that's funny. She's brilliant. She consults with governments on how to have sustainable systems. Mm. It's like fascinating. She's trying to change paradigm by following nature and what nature is teaching us. Well, that would that's, be, that's the bottom that's line. That's our next podcast. That's, that's our the next bottom podcast. line. <laughs> yeah. Follow nature. We are nature. <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah. so, um, so we sad. have to have you back on the podcast too. We last time we talked about cannabis mm -hmm. and we can do a whole podcast about that science, which I'd like to visit. Yeah, absolutely. At, especially on the cusp of, um, you know, normalization and legalization. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that. And then uh, I want to come back and have you talk about exactly that concept of uh, bacterial knowledge. And that's really fascinating to me. And I'm about to read a book about it. So she is going to read a book and then she's going to want to talk to, I don't understand. And then I, I talked to Kathy about said. it and she's but like, I, I totally get, see when we translated it in like a film in my head, I got it. I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> this is my favorite kind of wormhole for sure. Oh, um, I love it too. Like I, I absolutely, you'll love her. You will. Love I think it's stuff. so important to have diverse conversations about mind body and spirit that's what we do this is what the podcast is about you bring such a wise perspective for us makes us think makes us you know and that balance is so important it doesn't have to be all or nothing you know and i always say what i learned um like from the last week even more so and then having this conversation is everybody has the right to advocate for their bodies and their mind and their spirit and not one person has the answer for everybody 
And, you know, you have to take the lead. You got to yeah. take the lead and educate yourself and read. Yeah. I don't do it. I just ask Donna, listen, I have an idea. <laughs> Or I can I consult people I trust. Like I would call you and say, Jen, I like I just talked to you about something and I needed that feedback because so, I probably would have called you anyway. Yeah. So along yeah. those lines, yeah. Kat. So Jen, yes. Before we go, tell us about Elder Moon. Yeah. What, what you're doing, how people can get to you. I know that some of our sister circles signed up for some of your classes because we yeah. heard from them. So yeah. uh, tell us about Elder Moon. So um, well. Live classes are on hold with COVID. There are some herbalists that are doing live classes and honoring social distancing. I'm not doing that at this time. I don't know, I'm not sure how 2021 is gonna look, but it may still be mostly online. I have an online herbal training program that's for someone who knows nothing. We start from ground zero, but it's also a nice refresher. If you've got a little background and it's gone to sleep, you wanna wake it back up. Same course, it's great. It's um, birthing an herbalist in 13 moons. And it's a 13 big chunky lessons and you've got a couple of years to go through it. And I actually let you have as much time as you need. I don't kick anybody out of it. If you want to stay in, you stay in. Um, my herbal councils are a monthly, that's like a small chewy nugget. It's kind of nice. It's um, a subscription based, um, like one to two hours a month, some herbal infused topic that we go deeper with. And we've actually been talking about cannabis in there. Um, so I'm starting to prime my, my voice around yeah. this plant a little yeah. bit mm -hmm. for very slow New York to like get, get, get going with this plant because <laughs> there's a lot of people that are demanding it. People are demanding this plant yeah, be okay. free and among us where it belongs. Yeah. So and then you can pick and choose, you know, what you want to work with. You don't have to work with cannabis, but we should be able to grow it in our garden next to our broccoli and it shouldn't be a big deal, but it's become this big taboo thing. So we need to disarm that whole thing mm -hmm. and, um, and, and make it just a regular medicine plant among us that we love, you know, and then you decide if it's for you or not. Mm -hmm. It's so, definitely not for me, Jen. Yeah. I start licking everybody's face. I'm embarrassing. Well, it's and we'll terrible. talk about that because you don't have <laughs> yeah. to get stoned. There's ways to take yeah, the plant we'll talk in about that, that you don't get altered that way. Okay. And yeah. absolutely. That's a consideration for people, you know, like it's a big consideration. So it's a huge topic, but it's a fun, beautiful topic. So that's the monthly herbal councils. They've been going on for three years. So when you get a subscription in there, you have all the back lectures for three mm. years. It's like a big oh, library. And it's just really fun. And then I, I have the apothecary and um, that has been, you know, fun. I make tinctures from our land. I love to support people by making the medicine for them. But I always see that if somebody wants to learn, they can learn and I'll, I'll show them how and I show them how to do it really well. And then if you're, you know, life's too busy or whatever, you can get from me. You can delegate. Mm -hmm. You're the medicine keeper in your home, mm -hmm. but you can delegate to me if you want to. And then the other thing that I've been doing for the last year and a half is the plant diets where we, we work micro dosing with one plant for a month online and then they become self-study courses afterwards. And that teaches you how to sit with one plant to work with physical, the physically with the plant, but also mental, emotionally, and spiritually, how the plants show up for us on all the levels. Love it. And that's Love intense it. work. That can be that can be really intense because sometimes we want to just say that you know, peppermint calms their stomach, you know, but peppermint is a lot more than that. You know? yeah. So, yeah, that's right. I really enjoyed watching uh, your growing season on Instagram. Love that. 
It was great. Love so uh, people can follow you, your website, your yeah. Instagrams uh, mm -hmm. at where? Um, it's Jen Costa. Uh, wait, I can tell you. Jen Costa underscore. I think it's Elder Herbs, my Instagram handle. I can't remember it. I love your Instagram. It's just like whatever's going on here. I mean, I love, I like it in there because it's so visual. I like the yeah. visuals. I feel very connected to your projects. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's Jen Costa underscore Elder Moon Herbs. Yeah. Highly and I just put a post today because I'm actually dismantling. I'm actually deconstructing a garden, which is the first time I have ever done that in my whole life. What do you mean? I'm taking the garden away. <laughs> oh, really? Instead of just like letting it. Um... We're moving all this. We moved all the plants and we moved all the soil. Like the whole property has its energies kind of changing and the way things are moving are changing. So new gardens have been made and then the old garden's getting dismantled. So it's. I've never done that before, which is kind of wow. interesting. And it's certainly a perfect year for that. <laughs> yes. The change year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is the change. It is the tower year. It's the fantastic. We're going to yeah. rebuild. You know what? I always just on a side note, it's like I had conversations with some other alchemists that we really kind of all predicted, predicted that it would be 2012. This all happened. So we're yeah. kind of, cause we're going by the mind calendar and it's like 2020 was it. Who would have thought? Right. Hindsight's we 2020. All, hit pretty quick too with it. All the institutions. Yeah, for are, sure. This is fantastic. I mean, we, it really hit quick. We're like, whoa. <laughs> it's fantastic because we're rebuilding well, everything. Froze. Yeah. Re what oh, happened? Kathy frozen with a lovely smile. I froze with a smile. <laughs> Kathy. Yes. You froze. Yeah. Oh, there we froze. There you are. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right, so we're freezing up okay. because um, let's let's um, conclude it, Don, because I don't know about the internet. Go ahead. Yeah. So anyway, Jen. All well, right. thanks for the conversation. And um, I can't. I wait. like being blindsided. That was good. <laughs> That's what That's we good. do. That? That's what we do. Oh, no, it's good. I appreciate. I really appreciate the conversation a lot. Yeah. And um, I really uh, appreciate the voice, the, the voice of balance, which I mm. think is um, not being heard. I feel like it's one extreme or the other. And mm. I feel like you were a perfect um, antidote for me personally. Mm -hmm. So I thank you for that. I'm very grateful. It's Thanksgiving. Yes. And so, um, yeah. So thank you for that. Thank you, thank Jen. You. Always and great seeing you. I, Thank you. Yeah, you too. All right. All right. So that's it. High fives all around. Thank you. Blessings. Can't wait. Yes. All right, day tomorrow. All right. We'll talk soon. I'm out.